Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our special guest, Luis Baez. And today we're going to be talking about how you can make intellectual property your next asset. So this is really a great conversation. I mean, somewhere we haven't gone before. And I want to give you some background on Luis. He is an entrepreneur, sales executive, and an unwavering optimist who's obsessed with helping others build a business they're proud of. So despite being an introvert, and that's something that uh, Luis and Amanda have in common, Luis did end up working in sales. And he was able to build genuine trust and help the people around him. And he's been recruited to work for some of the most influential companies in history. These include LinkedIn, Google, Uber, and Tesla. So I also want to really share with you that uh, Luis is a first-generation immigrant from the Bronx. Um, He's taught himself how to sell, which has led him to launch his own business. And, uh, you know, though... He, I just want to sort of go through that. He uses this uh, to make a serious impact on the lives of the people he serves. So Luis has designed his business around doing exactly what he loves in an ethical and impactful way. And, you know, Luis, uh, wow, I'm, we're so thrilled to have you here today. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor and such a treat. I am so excited to connect with the both of you and and to connect with your audience as well. I appreciate the floor. All right. Well, before we get started, I just want to remind our listeners, if you are joining us for the first time, you know, this is the perfect opportunity to hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, um, please give us all five stars for our rating. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Luis, you know, let's sort of talk about intellectual property because that's sort of where you're, you're it's all, what you're all about. And, you know, we're going to use the IP, intellectual property. What is it in the sales context? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And so let's talk about what's happened, the sort of shift that has happened in our economy and what's actively happening now post-pandemic is folks are coming to terms with the opportunity to build a career and a lifestyle without compromising on either end and to have greater sort of time and financial flexibility that they didn't have before. Um, And that has inspired folks to look at new ways of doing business, which is why you see the online business world right now is really starting to heat up more so than it's been over the last decade. Um, And the reason for that is that the bar to entry is much lower than other business models. Um, When I think about the audiences that I serve in particular, folks that are women, folks that are BIPOC, LGBTQIA, these are folks that, you know, typically have experiences in the workplace where they experience diminishment of their contributions, discrimination, and all sorts of experiences that leave them wondering if they've really been able to contribute at their highest potential. And that often inspires people that I talk to to go down this path of exploring what does it look like to be my own boss and what does it look like to pursue solopreneurship or entrepreneurship on the side or, you know, how do I transition out of full time work? 
Um, and when we think about what it meant back in the day, not too, too long ago, I, I say back in the day, but at this point, iPhones have been out for over a decade. <laughs> I have to really sit with that. I have to sit with that sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, it used to be that when we thought about what it meant to build wealth or to have wealth, it meant access to education. It meant access to career and, and in career advancement. It also meant owning property and having sort of real estate, you know, property. And so when we think about what does wealth look like now in 2021, um, it's no longer or exclusively about that attainment of property. You know, it's like the monopoly game, get your houses, get your hotels and everything stacked up, right? Um, that's no longer the way to entry to build wealth. You can take your ideas your experiences, your way of doing things or your process for accomplishing something, and you can teach it. And you can teach it in a number of ways. It could be an ebook, it could be an online program, it could be group coaching or any sort of ways. But that framework or that way of thinking, that is your intellectual property. And so when you've amassed enough experience and you've worked really hard on yourself against all odds, you can enter this conversation about how do I scale my ideas and share them with the world and protect my ideas at the same time. That is the new way to start building personal wealth. And I, I come at this as someone who, as you mentioned, I am first generation. I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in the Bronx. I grew up in poverty. I'm the first in my family to go to college. Um, I never would have imagined going down doctor, didn't want to be a lawyer, and here I am now, <laughs> right? Um, and no one ever, I never thought that I would be now a business owner. And that story isn't typical. And so I want to inspire people to think about the opportunity for them if they've never thought about this path for themselves, which is why I appreciate this opportunity to, to have this conversation with y'all. Yeah, yeah, no, we're thrilled to have you here. And, and you know, that, that really sort of, uh, there have been so many uh, techno technological changes and it's so rapid now and i think that going through covid for all of the bad there was some good in the sense that people could i mean it really made them look at their life and and what could be accomplished mm -hmm. without leaving their home and doing that horrible commute you know yeah. into an office space uh i mean it really does shift your paradigm uh that uh, yet you had, you know, permanent binders affixed to your head and they were just, you know, taken away. And mm -hmm. that's really powerful when you think about it. Yeah, it's inspired people to think about doing things that they've never been able to do before, right? They suddenly, because they're not commuting, they are sleeping and because we're all strapped at home, what do I do to keep myself busy? Well, yeah. you know, I start going down the checklist, right? Let's clear out the closet and, you know, let's maybe start, you know, taking an online course and learn how to bake. Oh, wait, what's an online course? Oh, wait, any, anyone can teach anything now these days? Great. Maybe I should start an online course too, right? Like that's been the sort of, as I get on consultations week over week with people, that's been the natural sort of course. But I think also, the consumer's expectation has changed, right? Because now our experiences are so deeply virtual that it's now conditioned people to consider products and services they might not have before, right? And so now the opportunity is even greater for folks that are entering into the online business space. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point.
Um, why is intellectual property such an asset for small businesses? What differentiates it from other more traditional assets? Yeah, that's a really good point. So that's a really good question. So when we think about like what let's talk about intellectual property is, you know, it is something that you create one time that will make money for you in perpetuity. And you can make updates to it and upgrades and give it a facelift and, you know, all those things. But once you've created something and you've gone through the, the measures of protecting it, it is something that is always on the shelf for sale. So let's think about a small business, a gym, for example, right? During COVID, had to pivot. Um, any gym that already had online programs or online classes and things like that, they had a revenue stream that sustained them through that initial bump in, in the pandemic, right? Whereas gym owners that didn't have sort of an online presence or online offering and had to completely shut down the brick and mortar experiences, shut down their physical gyms, they didn't have another revenue stream to depend on. And so everyone's looked at this opportunity now to, to incorporate you know, an online business revenue component of their business or to completely shift being online, right? And online, you know, you have this capacity of recording a video or a podcast, you know, one time and it's knowledge, information, inspiration, education, entertainment that lives on in perpetuity and is always on the shelf for sale for you. Yeah, yeah, I that's absolutely true. I think the other piece that, you know, goes into that is also once you create that piece of intellectual property is that it can be repurposed. And mm -hmm. I think that sort of leads us into how businesses can maximize that. Um, I know that we've done that with, I mean, we have, we actually have a whole video masterclass on how to be a great podcast best, you know, how you can mm -hmm. use that to leverage growing your business. But when that started out, it was me being a guest on a podcast talking about it. And then I was I used that used that beginning to be on a summit and put together a whole summit piece. Then I wrote an article about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just kept it's just kept, you know, I created a process map on it. I created yeah. supporting materials and now we have a master class. <laughs> and it's like so it just keeps um, it keeps giving. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you hit on the, the part that I really enjoy about this is that you can evolve and you can get creative. And yes, you might launch something one time. It'll get you where you're going. And once you've got enough steam and interest behind it and enough investors, you can start to improve. You can record more videos. You can do more add-ons, you know, done-for-you services, et cetera. There are so many ways to take something like an online program and generate multiple revenue streams for your business, but also there's the opportunity for people to receive information or support however they prefer, right? Because I think the other thing that you hit on is there are multiple ways of presenting the same framework or the same amount, you know, bit of information. And some people prefer to read. Some people are visual. They need the infographic. Other people want to watch the video. That's their jam, right? But, you know, having all of that on the shelf and giving people that option to absorb that knowledge on their terms is the real game changer. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, what do you choose to put on your plate? You know, you can mm -hmm. pick and choose from the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and even for yourself as an entrepreneur, uh, you can pick and choose um, the path that you take to either, you know, settle on or, you know, produce one item and then just really stay with that or to, um, you know, leverage it on in different ways. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and that really speaks to that maximizing um, that intellectual property. Although, once again, you can, I, I think there's definitely ways that you can maximize, you know, sort of a standalone uh, intellectual mm-hmm. product. Yeah, absolutely. I often refer to the music industry when I talk to online business owners. It's like, well, think about it. Like, uh, let's talk about Janet Jackson because I love Janet. Like, she's <laughs> my number one forever. Um, it, she records one album. Right. And then that album, she creates a series of music videos around which live on YouTube and, you know, generate views and generate, you know, clicks and, and, and cash. Right. And then, you know, she goes on to go on tour. That's, you know, and it's the same songs, right? The same intellectual property. The format is live recorded album, you know, video experience, live experience and to top it off merchandise. Right. So and and it's all just one work of art that she's done and delivered it in many experiences and many ways that people enjoy. And so I think as business owners, I I like to reference music, like have fun with what you're doing. Right. Create with that joy and with that intention of delivering what people need and how they need it. Yeah, I love that you included that example because I studied music business for my master's. And going (laughs) off your example, you could also do like a live album and, you know, acoustic album, all kinds of ways you can repurpose that music. Hundred percent, right? And then you get on Jimmy Fallon, SNL, or whatever. Those are more <laughs> so many directions you can go in once you've recorded your songs. <laughs> exactly, that's a great analogy. So, um, what are ways to solidify and protect that intellectual property as you grow your business? Um, what should companies be doing or avoiding in order to protect their IP? Yeah, I absolutely refer everyone to get get yourself an attorney, get yourself a good attorney in your corner. And I know a lot of folks who are probably earlier on their business or smaller in revenue scale are kind of cringing at the thought of, oh, like a you know patent attorney or trademark attorney, like that costs a lot of money or maybe I can do it myself. Oh, wait, that's still too expensive, right? Slow it down. I say that get that support as soon as you can afford it. You know, but also you need to socialize your ideas. And this is the part that gets people just like really on edge. You know, these, this is my baby. This is my framework. This is my ebook, my course or whatever. And, and they want to protect it before they socialize it. Um, but you know, and depending on your legislature and, you know, where you live, there might be a requirement that you socialize before you protect, right? But also for yourself, you need the validation that things like the name, the framework, you know, the way that you're positioning it will stick in the marketplace. And once you've generated enough sales from that idea, from that piece of intellectual property, then you take that step of protecting it. And I often tell people like, don't be in a rush to do that up front. And that's why it doesn't matter if you don't have the funds just yet, because you might change your mind about things like the name of your program, or the order and the sequencing of things or what it is that you're promising. Maybe you decide to change the logo or something, right? So I think that you need to give yourself that grace and space for a bit of validation, introduce something in the marketplace, see how it sticks, and then go through those exercises of consulting with a professional, a licensed professional to guide you and, and, and give you that advice about how to protect it. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, um, you know, early on, I mean, I did a number of different things. Um, and, you know, when I look back, there's things that I would, yes, do, um, especially with intellectual property. If you can create it into a book format, um, getting in a U.S. copyright is is not difficult to do it yourself. And mm-hmm. it's quite affordable. And that is a federal level of protection. And mm-hmm. however you then repurpose that content, um, 
I, I did that uh, for ourselves. Um, but I also, you know, like for our state, I could get state trademarks, um, which were very affordable. And it's like it was a one, you know, one time fee, whereas mm -hmm. the, a federal um, copyrighted trademark, um, which I did actually pursue, uh, was uh, uh, quite that's with, with the lawyers. It's a long process. It's far more expensive. And um, so, you know, when you are just starting out, there are some. Uh, you know, I think with everything, there's incremental steps that you can take. Um, also, buying a URL if, for a product name can actually be quite affordable depending on where you purchase it from. Um, so, you know, being mindful of that, you know, owning that URL is a level of protection. 100%. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> I think that you take those steps, you take the steps you can until you're in a position to then, you know, uh, talk to a, a, a professional if that's what you need or pursue, you know, self-filing if that's what you want to do. But, um, you know, I would say for anyone that's just getting started, don't worry about it. I think that we, we worry about people stealing our ideas, but when you're getting started, you're, you're so small <laughs> that no one knows what you're doing just yet, except the people that you've directly engaged with, right? Um, once you exceed a certain follower count or once you've gotten certain media exposure and things like that, where you are becoming a name in your industry, then you start to hold those cards closer to your chest. Um, but I think as you're just getting started, your number one objective is market validation. Do you need what I'm offering? Can I offer it in this format? Is this going to make sense for the pricing that I want to pursue? Um, because those are the things that, that, that matter upfront before you go through the steps of protecting it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what are ways that small businesses can grow that asset, um, that IP asset? Yeah, that's it, an excellent question. So I think it's a matter of um, uh, diversifying the format of that knowledge and that information. So, you know, we're talking about primarily folks that are coaches, consultants, you know, content creators, those are the folks that I typically work with, but even also with brick and mortar type of businesses when they're looking to shift into that online model, you know, they're trying to create digital experiences and when they can't host any live sort of experiences. Um, think about the different ways that you make the information accessible. So let's say, let's build off of the gym example I brought up earlier. You could have, let's say, you know, three-part series for yoga training, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Three-part series for HIT, beginning, intermediate, advanced, right? And so you diversify the kinds of classes that you offer. You think about the levels that people need to reach. You make sure that you offer content at those levels, make the content on demand, or you know, uh, at certain times of the day, depending on your business model, right? Maybe you want people to attend every Tuesday at a certain time to drive as many attendees as possible, right? But you want to think about making sure that those classes are available. What about people that might want to download and replay later or are traveling? Their folks are getting ready to hit the road this summer, right? So they want to take their workouts with them, right? Um, and maybe some folks don't need the, the, the visual, right? Maybe for yoga, for example, maybe they just need the audio cues of the different positions to hold. So maybe instead of video, you think about offering, you know, or in addition to video offering audio, right? And, and audio walkthroughs of the workout. So I think that you, you, the, the, the aim here is to meet people where they are, meet people where they, how they prefer to consume the content and then the information. And also think about the end result, right? There are some things that, 
don't work well in certain formats. For example, I'm a sales trainer and I cannot train someone very well in sales if I just put them in an online course and let them self-learn and self-pace. That type of learning requires interaction and building that confidence and that resilience with the coach, with someone that's working through that with you. And so, you know, how do you take, you know, your knowledge and make it available, you know, part of it online so people have an archive of information they can refer to, but then being available and present, right? So, that's the thing that you also have to be attuned with is how do your people need to receive this information? Yeah, no, but that, that's a really uh, important point as well. Yeah. And um, so I, I really sort of want to go back to the beginning because there was something you said that was really, um, I, to me, a sort of a game changer because you were talking about generational wealth and how historically mm-hmm. it's been built through some sort of property ownership. And, you know, you know, I'm just a standard, you know, middle class girl, girl next door type of person. So that that wasn't me or my family. Um, But, you know, how, um, you know, can the entrepreneur start shifting their their mindset uh, to identify intellectual property as a source of generational wealth? Yeah, I think that the first compulsion is people hear this concept, they go, wow, I want to create a million things. So let me go write the book, record the course. Let me just get busy. Right. Um, I think you want to think about starting with one one offer, one place. Um, and the way to get to generational wealth is to then scale how you offer it. So let's say, for example, you decide to introduce a group coaching experience. You, you have this way of doing things or teaching things. And, you know, this is the best format for the people that you serve is a group learning experience. Um, and so you then have to think about the opportunity to create all of that content, build out all of that experience around that, you know, and, and get the kinks out of it, making sure people have breakthroughs. They're very well supported. You're using the right tools. And once you reach a place where there are a lot, too many members in the group starting to staff that up, starting to get coordinators and folks on board that will help you, you know, get all of that, that promise delivered to all the people that are buying in. And once you've got that figured out, you start to scale. You know, you start to introduce it to more people. You get on more interviews, etc. And along the way, you get feedback about, I wish I could join your program, but I, I can't afford it. I wish you offered a book. And if you hear that, you know, 10,000 times as you're getting <laughs> out there, right, it means that people want this information and they're willing to consume it in that way. That is your cue to evolve you know, and take all that knowledge from that group because the way to get to a million is to diversify, right? You get one good way or one product or offer to give you a baseline of revenue so that you can reinvest in the business and grow it. And then you start to diversify your offerings as you grow because getting 10 products off the ground is way more difficult than getting one product off the ground and then building as you go. And so I, I invite people like get excited about the opportunity, but one thing at a time, my friend. I promise you that that's going to be the way you don't overwhelm yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good advice. <laughs> very good <Yeah>. advice. <laughs> Go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> I was going to say I think that's great advice because I'm. I feel like when people get first get started with starting a business, they can have so many ideas and feel inspired and want to do a little bit of everything. Um, it can be hard to kind of 
take a step back, prioritize, kind of niche down to the one thing that you're really good at that you want to start with um, and grow from there. But that's really yeah. great advice. That's so that's something that we did with Petite de Queen. We had a lot of big ideas. We had to narrow this narrow the scope a little bit as we got started. Mm-hmm. And then 100%. continue to do so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, pruning a bonsai tree. You know, you just, you know, stick, stick to the one tree and watch it grow. <laughs> well, Louise, thank you so much for sharing how small businesses can make intellectual property their next asset. Um, I am sure that our listeners are going to want to know more about where they can find you. Oh, I appreciate that. I would say hang out with me on social media, but I'm scared you're going to get distracted by, distracted by all the puppy pictures and everything. Um, so I would say if you are interested in like really getting your head around this and getting your mind right, come hang out with me at luisbaez.com forward slash learn. I've got resources there for you. You can see all the behind the scenes things that I've got going on. And if you want to continue the conversation, I'll be there as well. All right. Well, that's perfect. And uh puppies and kitties aside. (laughs) This has been such a great discussion. And for our audience, if you have ideas um, you would like to share, please, you can leave us a comment down below. We love hearing from you. You can also send us an email at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com if you have a topic uh, for suggestion or specific questions. And to stay current on all of our wonderful insights that we provide, the breakthrough advantages, the masterclass I alerted to, (laughs) please sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitetoqueen.com. Thank you for listening, everyone out there. And Amanda, Luis, thank you so much for joining and having this terrific conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 